0: welcome back to i don't see the point the podcast where we are trying to share our love for ballet and get more people interested in it we've had a very long and unexpected hiatus um and we finally return today october 15th i looked at my watch and there isn't a date on my watch october 15th my dad's birthday hermione's dad's birthday um (laughs) again to record shout out to ivan shout out to ivan we love that man hermione What's been happening in your life? M- many, Nothing good. many things. Nothing, Nothing good. good. Okay, little life update first because- I've been ill. We've been at death's door. Both of us. Both of us, yeah. We've both had some bumps we've in the road. Been, We yeah. both need surgery. We both. I've had one surgery. I need more. Oh dear. (laughs) Possibly. So yeah, you had some rough health things in the past month.
1: I had. Yeah, I had like the worst UTI known to man, which I will (laughs) share with all of you because it's educational. Mine has also had a tailbone injury. Yeah, I've. Looked Hermione's at, um, also had. Um... I want to spread. I want to spread the truth about this too. Actually, I'm going to use okay, our sp- platform spread the tr- for ballet. Okay, This <laughs> to spread the truth. Yeah, I've had a cyst on my tailbone that has been really unpleasant. It's very painful
0: and um, it requires. A complex... You can't sit down.
1: You can't sit down, and it requires very complex surgery to like permanently get rid of. And I've known a couple of people now have had this as well as me. Um, and so Hermione's a
0: medical marvel, and we're trying to figure out what's going on.
1: It's apparently happening more and more often, especially in young professional women. So yes, so don't sit
0: that. down for long periods at work. Get up, move around. Is the lesson. If you have an office job, stand up regularly, or get one of those standing desks. I have yes. seen a lot of people have those. I didn't. Li- I, don't I can't like really implement that in my job. I don't. Know exactly. That's the other thing that's happened. I have a new job, and um, and also injuries. <laughs> and also injuries. I was ill for a bit as well. Oh yeah, I have a, a foot injury and i also just have... had a stonking cold for like three yeah, weeks. That but... was no fun. I, yeah. I have to have a foot surgery. A foot surgery, I have to have a foot surgery in January or February, so that's no fun. It's it's not been going well. But but We're the Royal Back. Ballet season has started again. Woo! Which is really exciting. Things are happening. And we have returned. So And Kat at least has been to the ballet
1: and I'm going in the future. In the future, in the when I can sit down again. Oh and my I'm gosh. going to sit in some uncomfortable seats as well because I'm sitting in the upper slips, which are no.
0: hard benches. You'll have to bring your cushion with you. I think I will. Do okay. that. It's really funny, they used to have at the Royal Opera House um, these little blow up cushions that they would give children. <laughs> they would have them in you boxes. love talking about these. Yeah, because they've disappeared. I don't know where they are anymore. How can the children see in the ballet? I used to just sit on my coat. Yeah, I've
1: to... never sat in a box
0: at the Royal Ballet. So. Neither have I. Maybe once They had them in boxes. No, I mean they had them in like boxes around. Oh, I thought you
1: meant in the boxes. No, 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 no. not specifically like, for push, the boxes. Like,
0: poor no. view. Um, I will say the chairs and boxes quite uncomfortable. They look uncomfortable. Um, you have to crane your neck. Never sit round the sides, guys. Never sit round the sides of um. the theatre. Are we sitting in the sides when we go see Don Quixote? Okay, when you're up in the upper slips, sit in the side, it's fine. It's cheap. Upper slips, upper... Upper slips. Yeah. Then it's, it's fine. But don't get a box. They're actually not great value for money, I don't think.
1: Yeah, because the boxes are very expensive for bad. That's the thing. They're, they're, that they're the slips, expensive for oh. a bad,
0: terrible view. Also, the Queen... Uh, the the oh, Royal no. Box. The King's Box. The Royal Box. It's just the Royal it Box. It has a terrible view. It has
1: a shockingly bad it view. It
0: used to be... We say, like, we've been Right in, it. in the <laughs> middle. No, I have been in it. Not <laughs> to sit, but I was on a tour... Of oh. the roll-up house, and they showed me the roll box. Okay, well, I've never been in it, but I can tell it's terrible. They've got a separate room, uh, a private room, behind the royal box oh, for, that like, functions through? and things. I think... So I think what happened is, it, the royal box used to be front and centre in the second or third, sort of, you know, tier... Mm-hmm. Probably second. Mm-hmm. And then when the refu- when there was the refurbishment in the 90s, they, or early 2000s, I can't quite remember what it was, yeah. but I think they moved it to the side so that they could give the box that big room um, to make it more private. And, and also, also, presumably, because they didn't actually think that it was worth money. I think, that, I having think the royal that, box yeah. be the best seats in the
1: house. Definitely. Because be- Diana was the only, is really the only member of the royal family who went regularly. No
0: one really goes, none of the roles go to the ballet, which makes me very sad. No, people like Victoria Beckham go in the roll box now. They they have, like, guests have of... Like celebrities. um They have guests of of uh, dancers, like, family members or, or distinguished guests. Like, when we went to see, like, Water for Chocolate, mm. the author of, like, Water for Chocolate, the book, was in the roll box. Oh. So it was easy to see where she was, because you could just That's tell that she cool. wouldn't be there. So that was really cool, yeah. Hmm. Um, we should also say that the reason why there may be a slight roaring in the background... Oh, yeah, we haven't said this. Yeah, <laughs> We are cold currently. It's... Um, October, as I mentioned, and we've just been hit with an arctic blast. It's not actually as the newspapers say. that cold, but it was warm earlier. In the I morning. think it's currently nine degrees outside. But last week, last Friday, it was 25 degrees. So we've had a big drop. The reason why the roaring, by the way, is related to the cold is oh, because yeah. we've got a fire. That's why. I will say this is a ridiculously like, picturesque setup because we've got the phone balanced on actually a rather annoyingly... Three copies of Joyce, James Joyce, and Henry James. The J section of my bookshelf, and and J- Jerome K. Jerome. What a I've great taken name! Take a picture. Check the Instagram. So yeah, we thought we'd just chat about things, um, whatever springs to mind, <laughs> because we're oh, famous enough now to do a life update, <laughs> a life update episode, and just talk randomly about things. Since the summer, mm. I saw Jules. Actually, you did. That was so good you and like i had that. a big um people watching session because david Hartberg was in the audience the director of the australian ballet who were putting the performance on and Laura Cuthbertson was there principal dancer of the royal ballet and a bunch of other cool people and i was going oh, look at that look at that and there were these two lovely old ladies sitting next to me and i turned to these ladies next to me and i was going you may be interested to know that right there is david Hartberg the director Why the did Australia? you do that they were loving it it was great Why are d- you like a tour guide that's your new job <laughs> The thing is, I've started to do that quite regularly and it's actually really bad. You're wise beyond curious. I can't hold it in. I'm like, oh, look, really cool people. Oh dear. It's um, the, it's the, it's very interesting to know. That yeah, I, think. I, yeah, that was maybe poor phrasing. <laughs> I'm like Hugh Grant in the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, Australian ballet were amazing. Hermione's phone falling on the floor. <laughs> Australian ballet were amazing. Uh, Jules was incredible. I'm getting more and more into Balanchine. I think it's, Balanchine choreography is quite good for people getting into ballet because it's quite accessible, because there's no plot. But he didn't like to say, Balanchine didn't like to say plotless ballets. He liked to say storyless ballets, I hear. Well,
1: because you could argue, I don't, I don't, I guess Jules doesn't have a plot exactly. It doesn't have plot, could...
0: it has inspiration, as I f- yes. have found out. Uh, see our Instagram for more. <laughs> um, so George Balanchine was a Georgian uh choreographer and maybe dancer himself I can't quite remember who briefly possibly who Georgia um, is in the country yes Georgia is the country so yes Balanchine was um, a Georgian choreographer who actually lived and worked in America and really brought ballet uh, to America and made it quite big there he worked for the New York City Ballet and choreographed uh, a whole lot of ballets for them and some of them are very famous like Jules' symphony and C. another
1: suddenly i can't think of any valentine valet apollo,
0: apollo? yes that... we've seen Balanchine. that that was
1: great that was really
0: good Jules is really cool because it's based on uh three jewels emeralds rubies and diamonds and they've all got different inspirations so emerald is sort of inspired by france and french history and it's sort of green and It's sort of French classic-ness, I guess. And then Rubies is inspired by New York, sort of jazz scene. It's a lot more punchy, more sort of in your face. It's a bit more exciting. It's very like energetic. And then Diamonds is based on Russia, like Russian Imperial Ballet. And it's set to music by Tchaikovsky. Diamonds is my absolute favorite. It's so cool. And it's um, this sort of final big, amazing moment of the ballet. Um, just a great Symphony time and all around is, Symphony is he, yeah, yeah that's a yeah, ballet right, absolutely right um, he's done a lot of them and a lot of them I've discovered have been lost we don't, we don't well, have them anymore
1: he did a lot of them I mean his, his career was long
0: his first he was around for a long ballet time ballet that
1: he actually choreographed was in fact Apollo no, um, no
0: way I didn't know that yeah in
1: 1928 and then his last ballet 28
0: I thought he was around in the 60s that's yeah, my frame of reference his last him. ballet he choreographed was in 1982 mm, wow that's incredible so 60 years was his yeah, last his lifespan his um career span, I guess. Yeah, it's insane. There's a great guy on Instagram, John Cliff, who used to be a dancer with the New York City Ballet, where I get most of my Balanchine inspiration, not inspiration, information from, because he worked with Balanchine himself and talks a lot about what he was like and his wishes for his ballets and things. And he's a lot of cool personal anecdotes that he just shares on his Instagram. I've not seen Jules Dive at all.
1: I've seen a DVD of the Royal Ballet doing Oh, cool. I've seen August Munova do diamonds.
0: Ooh. She's the one She's I think right of. For She's who I think of She's as really diamonds. Good for diamonds. Like yeah. very classically Russian. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. They've all got very different aesthetics, which is quite cool. For an aesthetic-driven person, I appreciated that. Mm. And then, what's happening now? Don Quixote, which I've already seen it. We will not talk about it yet. I do not think. No.
1: We've um, both seen it several times before. We have. Kat's seen it in this run because it's going on at the moment. At the Royal Ballet, and it will be going on until mid November, Mid-November, I think. Mid November, yeah. So go book tickets. Um, but we will talk about it much more extensively when I've watched it in this run as well. Kat and I are, in fact, going together for once. Yeah,
0: we are. This is really exciting. We always say for once, and then we've now been together a few times. Okay, but this time years. was by accident. This was. We didn't plan to do this. Actually. I booked with a friend, and she flaked, and Kat is taking her ticket. Yulia isn't going to be in Stonehenge, and I am going to be profiting off of her working in the rain. Her, honestly, quite Probably. bad ticket that I booked her. Oh, I'm excited! I'm, I'm well excited. Um, I forgot how much of a happy ballet it is. That's all. Because I saw it in 2019. Yes. 2019. Where we were at the same performance, but not. Yes. I think so. Together. I don't think we knew each other that well. Because it was probably November or something like that. No, it was February. It was yeah, February. February. It was February. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, but there was February that one time that we were also at the ballet together. She's grasping when,
0: my hand, um,
1: When And I'm staring passionately <laughs> When we saw Onegin, and we also went out together.
0: And your parents bought me an ice cream. Was that in 2019? Yeah, that was first year. Oh, heck. Yeah. Don Quixote, I hadn't actually seen that much. So I'd only seen it once before, and I'd seen it right from the top. Which, the only thing in Don Quixote, there is a scene that takes place right at the back of the stage in the third act. And I couldn't see any of it, um, just because the top of the stage was blocking off the back,
1: and which we may have when we go see it again, in which
0: November. possibly, but I don't particularly. Mm-hmm. But I kind of didn't know what the plot was, and I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really know what the plot was going into this. I sort of looked it up a bit. and it's I. It's
1: loosely said, based on a novel, but I'm it's loosely, the word loosely. Very loosely. Yeah, extremely loosely. You can loosely. sort of follow
0: what's going on, but I will say there's a bit of ballet mime in it that if you don't know what that is, it's quite difficult to follow. Even without, <clears> like, <throat> it is just, because it's based
1: on, like, a very, very minor plot line from the book.
0: Yeah, um, from the book Don Quixote by someone. Mantis. There we go. I thought there was a character called Cervantes in it.
1: I think it's like semi-autobiographical, but it's made up, isn't uh-huh. it? It's quite a famous book. And I love how I've I'm not completely read it. not...
0: Yeah, I, I do I do not know anything the about the OG book.
1: It's the OG in a run of types of novel, Sorry. which of which the most famous is Northanger Abbey. Gothic? No. Um, books <laughs> which are based on a main character um, who is obsessed with reading and who um with reading like silly novels and who goes about their life um, based on
0: having learned from these and it gets them into loads of trouble. The main character Don Quixote goes on an epic quest and meets these two people Kitri and Basilio who are in love. Kitri's father does not want her to marry Basilio because his father is a mere barber and he is penniless. She wants him to... Sorry, he wants her to marry, I think, like, the mayor of the town or something, some rich guy. She refuses, but um, they get into all sorts of trouble. The sort of middle of the ballet... So that's the first step. The middle of the ballet doesn't really have a plot, except for that Don Quixote falls asleep and dreams of a magical garden where he meets the Dryads Which is a real section from the book. And then wakes back up, goes to a tavern, where... Basilio pretends to stab himself with a barber, you know shaving thingy, a dies razor. Di- oh, yes, a razor, dies sort a of barber dies, a barber thingy. shaving thingy. Kitri's father, when he is dead, says, "Okay, fine, you can marry him, I guess." and odd. it's very odd. And then um, Basilio wakes back up and Kitri and him are like, "We've found a loophole, and then they get married in the third act. That is all that happens, I think. Yes, that is all that happens. And there's a lot of sort of padding within that. A lot of padding, but it's main, It's all just fun and games. Yes. Nothing bad. And one of the only ballets where no one dies. Except Basilio, pretend. Yeah, but no one dies. No. Nutcracker. But Don Kehoto does get King thrown like
1: a, like a rag doll across the stage. When? When he gets caught in the windmill.
0: Oh, that's my favourite bit. The windmill section is so funny. My mum could not stop laughing. Really? It was really... She loves the windmill. <laughs> that's so funny. Um... It's a very whimsical ballet. It super is. fun. It is. Yeah. Just, just enjoy it. Just fun. Just just, just fun. enjoy it. Yeah. And
1: we've got a lovely production. I love that we said we weren't going to talk about it. We've got a lovely production at the Royal Ballet.
0: We do. Great costumes. I, I'm excited for the casting because there's a lot of people um, debuting. There are. That have never done this ballet before, which is so super cool. Oh, no, I, no, 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 I am no, 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 no. deeply concerned about... So, Anna Rosa Sullivan is currently dancing Keytree and she's been dancing with Stephen McRae. Mm-hmm. And the other night, he had a slip on stage and... Um, had to be rushed off and was replaced for the second two acts by Marcy Sambo, who everybody said, like, you couldn't really notice. I mean, as in, it was wonderful professionalism from Anna Rosa Sullivan to step up with a new partner. It's quite difficult to switch partners in the middle of a ballet. Oh, very much so. But I'm quite... Just in general as well, I doubt her and Stephen practice together, so... um, Thoughts for... Yeah, her and Marcy, you mean?
1: Yeah, sorry. Obviously her and Thoughts
0: to Stephen McRae currently. Um, I'm really, really hoping he's okay. Hi there, this is Kat here. I just wanted to record a quick message to drop in this episode. When we recorded this podcast episode, we did not yet know about Stephen McRae's injury. At time of recording, we just knew that he'd fallen, something had happened on stage and that he might be hurt. Um, We know now that he has a knee injury. Um, And Stephen's mindset, his positive mindset, is so incredibly admirable. And as we've talked about in this episode... Injuries are a really difficult thing for dancers to grapple with. So we are absolutely wishing him the best right now. He's talked a lot about um, sort of putting boundaries in place where he wouldn't have them before. So Stephen McRae is a dancer who, principal dancer with a Royal Ballet, who... an amazing. Amazing. Dancer. We love Stephen. Who mm-hmm. had a, a, has had quite a traumatic time with his injuries. He's had some pretty severe injuries at
1: some pretty unpleasant moments in his career, actually. I mean, he got quite badly injured when he first got... One of his really
0: big promotions at the Royal Ballet back in like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Oh, yeah, um, but most recently he's been—he was injured once, returned from that injury, and in the first performance back, this is quite an infamous time sort of piece this is of Royal a well Ballet lore. Yeah, anecdote. In his first performance back, he um, was dancing Manon, and he was coming out of a jump or something like that, and he actually snapped his Achilles, Achilles tendon on stage.
1: One of our friends was actually at the performance. Oh yeah, Nick. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and for a dancer, that is the worst-case scenario for that to happen. And he's talked a lot on his social media about the mental health side of his injury, actually, and I think it's really valuable because it's not really something that dancers talk about all that much. It's da- Injuries are a part of dancing life. They happen all the time, and it's sort of just something that the dancers have to deal with. I think the Royal Ballet is really, really good with their dancers and their injuries, they are talking all the time about research into how they can prevent injuries. There's a certain exercise that they do specifically designed to prevent injuries that, uh, that they make all the dancers do every day um, or they advise all the dancers to do every day. And like generally, I think they're quite good. But I think, I think they're one very of,
1: conscious of it. Yeah,
0: I think I think so it's still difficult, right, for the dancers and...
1: It must be so demoralising. And actually, um, the reason people can't see us, but the reason my face kind of changed while Kat was talking just then is I was just kind of thinking that in relation to our own life updates about, like, Mm. how we've been feeling, um, having both been less than healthy in the last, like, couple of months. um, I know it's nothing in comparison to something like snapping your Achilles tendon and neither one of us does, like, a physical job like ballet. Mm, mm. But I think... Speaking as someone who has been blessed with very few, like, in any way, severe health issues up until now, like, up until a week ago, I'd never even had surgery in my life Mm. before. Um, It makes such a big, like, difference to not be able to do the things that you enjoy doing and, like, be in the routine that you are used to. And that's obviously for most answers to a huge extent about work. Um, because ballet is so much part of their life. I lives, mean, their whole life changes when they exactly. get injured. Yeah. And to have that, like,
0: repeated injury must have been just, like, so, so devastating. Stephen's talked a lot about, on his social media, about even getting the confidence to go back into the rehearsal room, start jumping again on a, on a by the way, reconstructed Achilles tendon. And I think it's great that he's been so open. I really appreciate the honesty from him and um so that's why i'm I'm especially thinking of him at this time
1: and actually i think your point as well about like how it's really good that he's setting more boundaries but something that has not been there in the past something that i think again uh, from obviously an outsider perspective but something that dancers seem to really struggle with is that stopping setting of boundaries yeah. like that stopping when they should rather yeah. than like when they... Not dancing can't. with a burst appendix. Tell that story, exactly yeah. That's exactly what I was about to reference, actually. It yeah. was Tamara Rojo, who is the Artistic Director of the English National Ballet, who... Um... I think she's just retired. Whoops. Should we check that? Yeah, she retired last year. Mm-hmm. What? So, um, no, something that um, actually I was thinking about earlier when you were speaking about Stephen in, and that boundary point is that um, Tamara Rojo, who was the artistic director of the English National Ballet. She was also a principal dancer um, at the Royal Ballet. I think she's just moved to the San Francisco Ballet. Mm. Um she famously once danced on stage with a burst appendix because she and she danced the Odeal no section way. of Act 3. No way. With a burst know it was appendix. That. Yeah. Some of the oh. hardest stuff to be dancing anyway. Um and that literally i mean it it's not an exaggeration to say, and she herself has said this that literally could have killed her,
0: yeah, absolutely. doing that
1: so that like setting of boundaries is it's something very that important, dancers really struggle with whether that's like from in injuries related to dance or even just like something else and i yeah. know we all hear stories about like especially women doing things with burst appendices mm-hmm. because because it sound, it seem, it's it seems is as bad
0: as period pain or exactly something like it that. feels
1: like period pain or something like that but to to do something so physically taxing
0: um in that scenario is just crazy i think it's one of those things where there is a style of teaching of ballet where you you are sort of taught that this will hurt and this will hurt so much, but you are just going to ignore it mm. and get on with it. When dancers learn um, learn to dance on point initially, it's really, really painful. And it's just sort of something that you've got to get over. Your, foot, your feet build calluses, so it hurts less. You find ways to sort of adapt your shoes and put mm. padding in them and stuff. To, it's a real learning curve to, to sort of dance in point shoes. But definitely in terms of other dance, just in terms of ballet in general, doing a solo that's really physically intensive or doing any sort of variation, or any sort of sequence that's really physically intensive, you just have to keep going. So something that I think of, um, The Rite of Spring is uh, actually a piece of music by Stravinsky, but it's been adapted into a ballet. And um it's the main sort of solo in the end uh, is a really cool part because it can be danced by either a man or a woman. And that's pretty cool but it means it's really physically intensive because the style of dance for both, for men and women in ballet is very, very different. Men typically have a lot more jumps and their sort of training is geared more that way. But this part is famous, famously, really, really physically intensive to the point where people have... So Monica Mason's danced it, Stephen McRae's danced it, uh, Claudia Dean, who is now... Previous dancer with the Royal Ballet, who um, has a company in Australia now. You sort of... It's a it's a sort of variation where you throw up afterwards. Yeah. And I think the Romeo uh, solo in Romeo and Juliet, I've heard of dancers say the first time I did it all the way through in the ballet, I've thrown up afterwards or things like that. Like I've just, heard that from Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah, which, totally. Like... I mean, dancers, you know, passing out, throwing up after variations, that's... Or at least lying in a crumpled heap on the floor after a variation like some of these things we don't see you know how physically intensive it is because we just see how good it looks right and a lot of the
1: classical stuff like the older um choreography is barely designed for like a human to do it in the way that we currently now encourage it i mean to come back to like sugar plum Mm. the Set up of the final act of Nutcracker is so stupid from a mm. perspective of dancers' comfort, in that it's so full on from nothing, from no warm up, it's so full on. Full on, right. actually, didn't even think about that. and yeah. um, her prince mm. because. They literally are barely on stage before, and then they're doing the most intensive things with no breaks at all. Yeah, exactly. And then they're
0: they're off. And they're they're doing really intense partnering, uh, fouettes, traveling fuetes and sugar plum, which I always forget about. Yeah. In the third act of Don Quixote, the dancing for the main two principal um, dancers just builds and builds and builds, and gets to a sort of classical thirty-two fuite sequence, and it looks so physically intensive. And even in the first act, actually, I was thinking about this. Kitri comes on and does one variation, then leaves for most of the act and comes on and does a really. And then does the Kitri variation, the very famous Kitri variation, with some really intense jumps and travelling um, traveling turns, and then a part of it. It's, it, it's so physically intensive, I think, Don Quixote, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, any classical ballet is horrible. horrible,
0: horrible yeah. Oh, yeah, Ozzy feet. Yes.
1: Yes. So being cat freakily and we don't have anything <laughs> wrong with us could always recognise
0: Oh my goodness.
1: A dancer's shoes.
0: Is well her comes. shoes you what you can spot from a mile off. That's what I, they're I'm a, saying. They're we a can recognise Natalia Ospova's shoes. The reason that Natalia Ospova's shoes are so recognizable is because they are very custom to her feet because her feet are quite damaged. Damaged from her dancing.
1: When Natalia was actually in ballet school in Russia, she was fitted with the wrong point shoes and it basically has made her feet abnormally wide mm. um
0: because she was training with the, the wrong fitting point shoes for so long. She was probably also very young, because I've seen videos of her on point when she was like eight or nine.
1: Yeah, I think she was too young mm. to be doing it. Probably um you shouldn't really start pointing to your feet at eleven growing. or twelve. I think yeah. that's the age. Yeah.
0: Um, at
1: the absolute earliest.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, because otherwise the bones are so malleable and something like this could happen. Yeah. Uh, exactly. To everyone.
1: Basically, she what she really needs is foot surgery. Yeah. But she can't have it and continue her dance career. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll I assume potentially have it when she retires. Um.
0: But she, for the moment, she far away. cuts her point shoes. She sews them back up. They are so soft. Her point shoes are so soft. They're very distinctive, not supportive.
1: there's a cut in the center of the shoe, mm. um
0: which basically no one else has. They're not pretty. To no, look at no. At your point shoes are meant to sort of your point shoes should sort of be an extension. Well, they're extension of your line, so they should be. Um, an extension of your leg and they mm-hmm. should blend into your leg they shouldn't look different which is why when dancers don't wear tights, they um, put foundation on their point shoes to make them the same color as their skin
1: and if you look at natalia's shoes you can actually see a sort of dip outwards mm.
0: um,
1: when you get to like the i don't know what that part on your foot is called and i'm realizing how much time I've been i know about, about i know feet. about you point to me where the foot is like the widest part of
0: your foot yeah i don't know what that is why did you say well, well, no, about so feet this, this the is the ball of the foot well. This is the first metatarsal, possibly the second metatarsal. Possibly the
1: second metatarsal. <laughs> um, the bit like the widest bit of your foot where your toes start. Yeah. If you look at that bit on her shoes, it's, it's very wide. It's very wide. Like there's almost like a ridge, mm. and then it goes in
0: again. And certainly, Russian point shoes are quite slim. slim. As a person with wide feet, they there are wide wide point shoes now. There didn't used to be. I wear block point shoes, and they have they have two axes on them. So block they're like bigger.
1: Used to do especially narrow ones. Actually, I oh, remember when wow. we all first got our point shoes um, in my class. The people who had block were mm. very slender. In comparison, block do all to my, shapes and sizes, which is why I like them.
0: Repetto. My God, I've never even heard were... of Repetto. It's,
1: it's French. It's
0: French. I I got ones with um, li- like cushions in the bottom. Nice. And then I wore toe pads. I also wear toe pads, which is. It's fine, like you really can't I don't know feel why it. I use the present tense. You really can't see it. Pads. <laughs> yeah. Rip to point shoes and any ballet dancing for me right now. Very sad.
1: Yeah, at least Kat still does it sometimes. <laughs> Not for many months. My feet are weak. I was, when I was getting my MRI this morning and I was listening to Radio 1 mm. while I was getting it done, um, they were playing a game guessing how many times um, one of the other hosts had said the word feet um, <laughs> or reference terms <laughs> or anything like that. Um, In his stint DJing on Monday. And it was like 39 times. That's too
0: many. Let's see if we have beaten him. Oh, we've definitely beaten him. (laughs) Well, we have cause. Without cause, it's just strange.
1: Anyway, all of this foot chat about Natalia is just to say that, um, of course, that is an ongoing injury that she's literally dealt with since she was a teenager, since Mm. before her career even really started. Mm. And that she will be dealing with until the end of her career. And it must cause not only you know obviously faff with her shoes and probably she goes through them much more quickly mm, mm. um because they're so soft but also
0: it it must be painful i mean it it, mu- it is a foot injury it must be painful yeah. for her i was going to say something that's sort of similar to this topic is um dancers having children and maternity leave and stuff which it was really sweet actually in lockdown to see lots of dancers like uh lauren cuthbertson um, take the opportunity while they were not dancing to um, have children which yes. was really sweet she's had two babies now yeah and um, it's returning to dancing this november actually Is in really? the challenge. yes yes first time back it's, it's another one of these things that just goes along with dancers being generally hopefully more healthy nowadays than they used to be very true um i think that a lot of them were very not healthy back in the day potentially a stupid 90s. thing
1: to say but actually i don't like maybe there was just much less publicity around it but mm. as someone who is interested in dancers from like the 1920s 1930s mm. until now i don't remember ever reading as much or seeing as much about dancers being pregnant um or yeah like it may just like be another one of those things where people didn't talk about it publicized and talked about now yeah um which is brilliant yeah it's it's very really good. good and obviously there was very you know sad dancers who were not having good lives at all like Kelsey Kirkland, um, famously in the seventies, oh, eighties, who um probably couldn't get pregnant, um, even if they had wanted to. Uh she What happened to Gelsey Kirkland? She um I recommend reading her autobiography, very interesting. Very, very, very severe cocaine addiction.
0: Really? Yep. Yeah. Cocaine, not good. Not good stuff, guys. Yeah, don't do it. She her nose bridge collapsed. Oh <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right, well, and that's another thing. I don't know about dancers and drugs, but I think that's probably another, a whole other thing. We could talk about that with and sometime. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no! Oh dear.
1: Um, he did cat on stage. What? As in, like, he did cat and then
0: performed. That's not on stage. <laughs> Do you sniff cat? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would not know. <laughs> <laughs> that's no good you I've can't never be done doing cat. cat on stage well backstage can't not be dancing. doing cat backstage
1: oh, no. and I remember reading about it as a child who didn't know as much about drugs and being like what the hell why would you do a horse tranquilizer because <laughs> <I'm> like,
0: dancing <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to do uh, well that's just polluting isn't it quirky guy that he all is all over yeah, yeah reckless guy that he is right so next time we'll be talking about Don Quixote Don Quixote and possibly talking a bit about the cellist slash and I can never pronounce this properly animoire animoy it's animoy cuz i keep saying animoire like a fr- animoire Animois. <laughs> yeah animoy um by cool. valentina's chetty in the next episode lovely oh if oh, we do manage to get tickets to the limit that we'll talk about that <laughs> that would be huge news um we may have something very exciting
1: coming up. Yeah. We may not. Let's we don't like know. that. We may have something very exciting coming up.
0: We are oh, It would just be a dream. It would be an absolute dream. And you, aren't
1: you seeing something Black Sabbath?
0: Oh, yes, I am. I am seeing Black Sabbath the Ballet next Friday um, at Sadler's Wells, which is, I do not know what to expect for this. Is it's it gonna be, actually based around the band? I don't know what it's based on.
1: Okay.
0: I don't know anything about. What this. What encouraged you to book it? I saw a clip of them rehearsing, and I thought that looks really cool. Okay, well, so you know a little bit about. So no, I I know nothing. Well, you know, I you don't even know, you're not I hate. don't really even know Black Sabbath, because I thought this was heavy metal. It is. And then Asiab informed me that it's sort of early heavy metal, which is not what I think of as heavy metal. So when I think of heavy metal, I think of vocal fry and very loud music. But apparently Black Sabbath is. Not quite like that. I have tickets to Black Sabbath, and uh, which is going to be the Birmingham Royal Ballet. And they're doing a bit of a tour with Black Sabbath, the ballet, at the moment. And I have no idea what to expect. And I'm excited to report back um, because this could be a big step forward in terms of different ballet. If it's good. Are they using music by Black Sabbath? Yes, that's the point.
1: Okay, well, see, I didn't know that. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That
1: sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited. Tell me all about it. Sounds brilliant. Thank you for joining. This has been a bit of a weird ramble, but um, we're happy to be back. Wish us health, luck. Oh, yes, please do. Um, and general luck. And many good things on the horizon. Also, distant future, but um, Kat is also going to see the Nutcracker, so we can talk about that close to the time. I'm hoping we're going to
0: get you tickets as well. Okay.
1: Maybe. I said I wanted to go, and then you got I didn't know you wanted to go, wonderful I wanted to <laughs> tickets for you. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. No, goodbye.